This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself. It is from the book of John, chapters 18 and 19, where we go through the crucifixion of Yeshua. And uh, as always, feel free to check out our website. Uh, there you will, uh, it's zionhebraiccongregation.com. You'll find our archived Shabbat messages there, as well as weekly blog posts by my dad. And you can subscribe to those by putting your email in the little email subscribe box. Uh, also, we've got links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, and you can also subscribe to our uh, messages, Shabbat messages on your favorite podcast platform provider such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, wherever else you like to get them. And our theme music is by my buddy Evan Shaw. You can find him on Instagram at Evan Shaw Music and his website, evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. So we're going to continue on. We're going to continue on the book of John. We're almost done. <clears throat> so if you go to the book of John, uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter. Uh, 17 or no. 18, 18. We're going to try to get through 18 and 19. <clears throat> and. Um, I mean, part of me, part of me has been like, oh, I'm ready to be out of John. <laughs> but it's a great book, and it's been really good, and especially as we kind of come to the crescendo of the end uh, with Yeshua being crucified and then risen from the dead. <clears throat> we're going to read a lot. It, obviously, I mean, I've read the whole book so far as we've gone through it, but we're, it's going to be a lot to read, and we're going we're gonna to get through it. And I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, I grew up uh, hearing about Jesus' death and resurrection 18,000 ways from Sunday. And, and, and so, because of especially my background growing up, I never knew anything other than the church, Christian life, Jesus, Sunday school felt boards. And, uh, you know, that was what I ate, drank, and slept, and eat, you know, all of that. So, but if you don't come from that background and, and, and hearing the life and death and resurrection of Yeshua, and especially when it goes, when you, when you have an understanding of the Tanakh and the prophecies that are in Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and the Psalms and all through, and then you see Yeshua lived out in a first century context from a Hebraic standpoint and what was going on in the first century with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans and the political turmoil and so much of what we're in right now is such a mirror, mirror of, of what was going on in the first century. And we're dealing with all the same issues. That's why Paul's you know, books are as, as pertinent today as they were then. And so, so it's just as important for us to go through this, read this, uh, teach it to the next generation, remind ourselves of it, 
and uh, hopefully have some interesting insight into it as we go through. And um, it'll be a blessing because uh, it is important. It is the bedrock, the cornerstone, Yeshua said, of our faith. Oh, interestingly, where, why did this come up? Oh, I was listening to something when Yeshua was talking to Peter and they go, they, they cross the lake and he says, uh, Peter, who, who is it that, this is a freebie by the way, but something that I've been thinking about a little bit. Uh, I forget, I should have written it down, but he says, Peter, who do men say that I am? And he says, you know, you're, you're the promised Messiah, the son of God. And he says, you are, you are Kepha or Peter and on this rock will I build my church, right? Well, there's a whole bunch of theories, and I'm going to give you mine on what that means. So, if you look up where they were, which if I remember correctly was, um, ah, I should, anyway, this is all the top of my head, so forgive me for my inaccuracies. But wherever they went across to, I want to th- say it was Caesarea, maybe, Caesarea Philippi, possibly. Anyways, where that used to be, there was a spring. It was a spring. It was this big rocky outcropping, and there was a spring that came out of it, right? This living waters. It was one of two that fed the Jordan River. And so it it gave life to the land, right? Kind of like Yeshua said, out of me will spring forth well springs of living water, right? So he asks Peter, who do people say that I am? And then he uses a wordplay on Peter's name, because his name means stone, uh, and there's a little bit of a nuance grammatically, whether I think it means his name means field stone. And then when Yeshua uses a different word when he says rock, which is, a, if I'm understanding, if I remember correctly, which is a little different. And he says, on this rock will I build my congregation. Well, there's a lot of theories on what that is. Is that the apostles? Is it Peter? You know, the Roman Catholic Church says, well, it was Peter and he was the first pope. And so now we got the keys to the kingdom, right? And we can do whatever the H-E double two picks we want. Well, no, that's not what the Bible says, because I personally think that what he was referring to, the statement about himself, because he is that rock on which he's going to build the church. That's why he's the cornerstone of the building upon which the apostles, the prophets, and all these things then get built upon into one perfect temple of God. And and you see that picture all through scripture. So there's my two cents on that. So take it or leave it, go for it either way. But... um, yeah, why it was I, oh it was um tim Hag was talking about it that's what got me thinking about it and i disagreed with him <laughs> so i gave Lee a little sermon as to why <laughs> but that's okay if you don't agree with me i don't that it does it's not a doctrinal thing that we're going to die over there's certain things that we die for and i'll go to bat and battle for and hills that i'll die on you know there's a lot of things that are hills that we don't need to die on that that divide us unnecessarily unnecessarily so anyway okay all right let's get into this otherwise we'll never finish Whew, that's hot. and i apologize for my my voice and my sniffling and coughing that you'll probably have to be subjected to if you listen to this okay so chapter 18 we're gonna go through it we'll stop we'll comment on certain things i don't intend this to be anything revelation revolutionary shock and awe it's just you know i want the the pashat i want the foundational basic understanding here so that we can just remember and pass these things on to the next next generation so 18 when yeshua had spoken these words he went forth with his disciples over the book kedron where was a garden into which he entered and his and and his disciples so they they just have left the upper room right where that he they had the last supper 
the last Passover, whatever you think that is. Verse 2, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Yeshua oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Yeshua therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Who seek ye? They answered, Yeshua of Nazareth. Yeshua said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell on the ground. And then he uh, asked he them again, Who seek ye? And they said, Yeshua of Nazareth. And Yeshua answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the same might be fulfilled, which he spoke of them, which thou gavest, uh, of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. So, so they, they leave, they go. This is where he would often pray. Judas knows that. He gets the, this band of evil men, and they go to arrest him. He says, I am he, he, and they all fall backwards. And then he's like, come on, guys, you know, if you're looking for me, here I am, type of thing. So, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Yeshua unto Peter, Put up thy sword unto the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall not I drink it? Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Yeshua and bound him. Uh, so, uh, if you remember, when they're, when they're talking before they leave the upper room, um, he says, if you don't have a sword, sell your garment and get one. So, that's why a lot of people think maybe, maybe Peter was like, now's the time to action, man. And, and Yeshua's like, no, no, it's, it's actually not time yet. Because as we read later on, he says, his kingdom is not of this world. Otherwise, my followers would fight for me. And so that's going to come later. That's where Judaism gets confused. Is there, they were expecting the Messiah to come. And they ask him. That's why they always ask him. They say, Lord, when will the kingdom come to Israel? You know, and they, the, the triumphant entry when he goes in on the donkey and they're waving everything. They, they were thinking he's going to set up his earthly kingdom, but it wasn't time for that yet. He came first as a suffering Messiah to redeem his people from their sins so that he can call out a people unto them because that's what had to happen in order to gather back in the exiles and all those who would be attached to him. <clears throat> okay, so continuing on. 13, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he, so I love how John writes because he throws in these little reminders and he's like, in case you forgot, this was the guy we're talking about. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Because if you'll recall, when Yeshua was doing all his great works, uh, they were all, all the Pharisees and, and, and Sadducees, they were all upset about this. And so they go and they talk to uh, Caiaphas and they're like, what are we going to do with these guys? If, if, if he keeps on leading as many people astray, air quotes, as, as he does, the Romans will come and take our nation away from us. And, and Caiaphas prophesied, being the high priest that year, unbeknownst to himself, saying, don't you understand it's ex more expedient that one man should die for the people than the whole nation should die? Which is exactly what he did. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Fifteen. And Simon Peter followed Yeshua, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest, and went, uh, and, and went in with Yeshua into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spoke unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. And then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art thou not also one of the man's disciples? He said, I'm not. So, 
There's the first time he denies Yeshua. And the servants and the officers stood there who made a fire of coals, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Yeshua of his disciples and of his doctrine. So they're, they're starting to question him, like, who are your, who are your followers and your doctrine? And I just love what Yeshua's response is. He always has, obviously, the, the best responses. And uh, Yeshua answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort. And in secret I have said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. <laughs> and when he had thus spoken, one of the officers that stood by struck Yeshua with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? And Yeshua answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Now Annas had sent and bound Caiaphas, the high priest. So, so you have this, this dialogue and this interlock. So he basically, you know, so the guy, the officer standing there saying, how, how dare you mouth off to the high priest? Because he's asking you questions and questioning them. But Yeshua spoke what he spoke to cut to the quick directly to the, the leadership there, there. He was basically saying, you guys are a complete sham. You know it's a complete sham. You know, I haven't done anything wrong. And if you want to know what I've taught, I've taught for three years now openly in the public. Y'all know what I've been saying. So, this is great. And uh, so, Ananias sends him to Caiaphas, uh, 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and they said therefore unto him, Are not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I'm not. And one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? <laughs> so, so, the guy whose ear he cut off, Malchus, his kinsman, so a family member, was obviously there and saw Peter cut his ear off. So he's just like, wait a minute. Isn't this the guy who was there and cut off the other guy's ear? <laughs> so Peter denied it again. And immediately the cock crew. Now, it's not a chicken that crowed, okay? There were actually no chickens allowed within the Temple Mount area during the first century because they were considered unclean. Why? Because if you've ever been around 30 chickens, what do they do? They poop everywhere, right? And so you can't have chickens pooping all over the place on the Temple Mount. Of course that's not going to happen. It was a guy. They would, a guy would yell, yell, that's not really, he would cry, and, and, and he would announce the times of um, the sacrifices and things like that, the sun rising, um, and so that it would announce it to everybody what was going on. So it wasn't a chicken. What's that? Yeah, the town crier. There you go. Six o'clock and all's well. Okay. So he denies it, and then the cock crows. And in another book, in one of the other um, um, gospels, thank you, uh, Yeshua looks at him, which must have been a killer glance. I mean, jeez. So he goes out, he leaves, Peter... Peter, poor Peter, he has it rough. Uh, okay, 28. Then led they Yeshua from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went on, not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. These are little important details that you get. So because it was leading up to, so here's where the controversy begins, is, wait a minute, if they're... 
they don't want to get defiled because of Passover. What happened the night before when Yeshua was, air quotes, celebrating the Passover? That's for you to decide. I mean, there's a whole lot of... I personally am unsure either way. So I, I am in the undecided camp. I tend to lean towards Yeshua having kept the Passover, but, but then you read... Anyways, not to get on, off on that train, but there's, so there's, there's people that make really good cases on both sides because... I don't know, but I feel like this is ridiculous. We should be able to figure this out. So, anyways, if you have insight, feel free to pass it on. Or if you're listening to this on the interwebs, feel free to email me. Don't expect me to get back to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, they didn't want to get there. They're in the hall of judgment, but they don't go in there with Yeshua because to go in there. I'm not exactly sure why, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if... Um, anyways, there must have been something that would have defiled them in there. So maybe death or... I don't know exactly, but there would, they would have been defiled. Um, so they don't go in. Yeshua goes in. And... Uh, ba -da -ba -ba. 29. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? So that's why Pilate has to go out. Because Pilate's in the hall of judgment. And they answered and said unto him, if he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him up unto thee. Then said Pilate, so in other words, they don't give him an answer. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It's not lawful for us to put any man to death. So in other words, he's saying, Whatever he did, deal with it. I don't want, why are you bringing this guy to me? And they're saying, Well, we want him dead, and we can't technically do that. So that's why Pilate's trying to get to the bottom of this. 32, that the saying of Yeshua might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death you should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Yeshua and said unto him, Art thou king of the Jews? Because that was part of their accusation. Yeshua answered him, saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it, uh, tell it thee of me? Very Jewish, Hebraic response. So he answers a question with a question to basically get down to the root of the matter. Like, I know you're asking this a question, but you really don't want to know that question. This is really what's going on. And so Yeshua is a Hebrew of Hebrews and excellent at that. Um, so he answers the question with a question. And Pilate, so Pilate answers, he's kind of P.O.'d a little bit. He says, am I a Jew? Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? So he's saying, I'm, I'm not a stinking Jew. Like, your own people are the one that want you dead, so you, you tell me. And Yeshua answered and said, my kingdom, so in other words, he says, yes, I am king of the Jews, so he answers him. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Oh, interesting. Oh. So, he has a kingdom, but his kingdom, that's why the prayer is, uh, thy kingdom come on earth as that may be on earth as it is in heaven. So his kingdom is, is in, in the heavenlies and uh, it will be established physically on the earth eventually. And I think a lot of us are feeling that as the footsteps of the Messiah draw closer. So, uh, 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou king then? And Yeshua answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. That truth being the word of God prophesied that he was the King Messiah, 
would come and die for the sins of his people. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And he adds this, that qualifier. And it doesn't just mean hearing the Shema, you know, hear, O Israel. It doesn't mean in your, you know, audibly. That's why I yell at my kids. Didn't you hear me? I'm not asking them really if they heard me. I'm saying, why didn't you do what I told you to do? So Yeshua says, everyone that hears my voice, or everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. So being of the truth, meaning being in the kingdom of God, the truth being the word of God, and they would hear his voice, him being the word of God on earth. Then Pilate said unto him, what is truth? So Pilate, unfortunately, did not know the truth. And when, he, uh, and when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But you've got a question, custom, that I should release unto you one at Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And they cried, and cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. All right, we're going to try to get into the 18 here. Then Pilate took Yeshua and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. And Pilate went th therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then Yeshua came forth wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man! And so Yeshua basically... Issue. Uh, Pilate, it's like, well, all right, I can't really find any technical fault with this guy. They want him dead, but maybe if I, I'm putting my words all to this, but maybe if I soften him up a little bit, scourge him, you know, put over a crown of thorns, mock him for what you're saying and he's saying that he is, uh, maybe that'll kind of settle this thing and go away quietly. Because he's having to deal with, see, Pilate is basically a corrupt politician leader. He's trying to, he, he's, He's trying to rule this pocket of the Roman kingdom and keep everybody happy and keep himself in good graces with Caesar. So he's trying to walk this balancing act of keeping order and keeping himself intact. And so that, none of that really has to do with correct justice. He, he gives it lip service saying, you know, there, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. So... You know, we'll whip him, we'll put a crown of thorns on him, mock him a bit, and see if you guys chill out. But that doesn't happen. All right, so. Ba -dum Six. So they, they bring him out. And when the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. So, Pilate definitely, he's getting more freaked out. And went again into the gentleman hall and said unto Jesus, Whence art thou? Where, where the heck are you from? But Yeshua gave him no answer. So he's like, ah, you can just feel the consternation. Within Pilate. Pilate said unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee? <laughs> Yeshua answers, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except were it given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. So he basically says, You don't actually have any power in this situation because it's all given what power you have 
which we know rulership comes from God. So, Yeshua, blah, 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 12. And from henceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. So there's kind of, now they're back in Pilate into a corner. They're saying, listen, he says he's king of the Jews. Caesar is the only king. If you let this guy go, you're not a friend of Caesar. So he's saying, oh, geez, now what am I going to do? Uh, 13, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Yeshua forth, sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation hour, the uh, preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Uh, isn't that true? They, <laughs> they said exactly what the truth was. And Pilate, so interesting, was saying, saying the truth. You know, he was asking, what is truth? And he's saying, You're, here's your king. He is the king. But they say, we have no king but Caesar, which is, which is true. Then delivered he, uh, verse 16, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Yeshua and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth unto a place called the place of the skull, which is called, in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him. Two other with him, one on one side, and Yeshua, uh, one either side, one, and Yeshua in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Yeshua of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read, Many of the Jews, for the place where Yeshua was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, Write not, King of the Jews, but he said that I am King of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Yeshua, took his garment, made four parts to every soldier apart, also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not write it, but cast lots, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and from my vestures they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. So, so he gets crucified. The soldiers, uh, just as it was prophesied, they divide up his garments and they cast lots for them. And um, he's, he's, uh, the title is put above uh, him, Yeshua of Nazareth, King of the Jews, uh, stating the truth. And uh, there he hung and he died. And so uh, keep going here. Uh, 25. Now there stood by the cross of Yeshua his mother and his mother's sister, Miriam, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Yeshua therefore saw his mother, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took her unto his own home. So he basically said, Listen, I'm, I'm going away, even though he's going to rise from the dead. But, um, you know, you, the care of my mother is now in your hands because he as the firstborn wasn't going to be around anymore to basically, because his, uh, Joseph was dead. And so he wasn't going to be able to take care of her anymore. And uh, 28, after this, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, uh, Yeshua said, I thirst. Now there was a vessel full of vinegar, and they uh, filled a sponge with vinegar, put it up on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And there's a whole bunch of messianic prophecy being fulfilled all throughout this section, the prophesying of, of what the Messiah would do and what would happen to him when he came and he died. And so this is all part of it. Uh, uh, and when Yeshua had received the vinegar, verse 30, he said, It is finished. 
And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. 31, the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies not should, should remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for the Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Yeshua and saw that he was dead already, they break out his legs. Uh, but one of the soldiers, and that's, that's another fulfillment of prophecy because not a bone would be broken was part of the prophecy. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that, that ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. So you see multiple times I'm talking about the scripture being fulfilled. And uh, again, calling to the importance of Yeshua being the one that has fulfilled the prophecies of the Messiah that would come. And uh, 36, for these things were done, the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. So, lining it all out. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Yeshua, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Yeshua. Pilate gave him leave, and he came therefore and took the body of Yeshua. There came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Yeshua by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. So it's interesting, we have, we have Nicodemus show, showing back up. He's the one who um, went to, to talk to Yeshua, he was also a leader. Uh, some think he was one of the um, uh, Sadducees. Um, the ruling, Sanhedrin, thank you. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. One of the Sanhedrin, one of the rulers in Israel. And so he goes to Yeshua at night, and, and Yeshua says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And he doesn't understand that. And, you, and, and, and Yeshua says, are you a, a teacher and a leader in Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Except a more man be born of the Spirit. Um, and so, um, looks like, you know, Nicodemus, Nicodemus maybe figured that out. I don't know. We'll see. And so, anyways, he shows back up. Then took they the body of Yeshua, wound it in linen clothes with spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And then the garden, a new sepulchre, wherein was never man yet laid. There they laid Yeshua, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So, there you go. And we're going to save 20 and 21 for two weeks' time. So, the kind of ending crescendo to chapters of 18 and 19 of uh, John, talking about the death of Yeshua. And really, the, you know, he being the cornerstone and the foundation of our faith, you know, being the seed of the woman from the beginning, before the foundations of the world, he was promised. Because God knew from the beginning, you know, that's like why, because I try to think about like, if you think about Yeshua in an abstract, in an abstract way, without the context of the whole of Scripture, I have a hard time making sense of him, to be perfectly honest. Not so much anymore, but I used to more so, especially from a more Christian standpoint. Like, why, you know, why in the world? And, and some of these questions are, are hard, hard to answer and ponder, and maybe we don't even have all the issues to But hey, why, why couldn't, you know, God just snap his fingers and forgive her, you know, the body sin who would believe in him? You know, why did he have to come and die? Well, it's, it's replete 
all through scriptures why. And when you understand from all the way in the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden, and God has to clothe them with animal skins and cover over the penalty of death because sin which causes death to ensue. And Hebrew word for death is, is moot. It's, it's a separation. It's not X's over your eyes. It's, it's a separation. That's why he said, die and you shall surely die. They didn't, they didn't drop dead as soon as they ate the fruit. They got kicked out of the garden. They were separated from the presence of God. And so the whole story of Scripture and the whole point of Yeshua is to bring back into one that relationship and that unity and that harmony that existed in perfection in paradise in the garden before it all went to H-E double toothpicks. And that was the whole picture of the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrificial system and what it did and how it enabled God to dwell in the midst of his people. It's what happens in our own hearts and lives when Yeshua, the Spirit of God, comes and dwells within us and makes a clean place in which he can dwell. There's a whole bunch of uncleanness still on the outside that we got to deal with, and that's pictured in all the other parts of the tabernacle and the outer court, but in the whole, most holy place, it's clean, and it's, just, it's exactly like God intended it to be, and that's where the blood is put, and just like Yeshua died and shed his blood uh, to cover over sin because that's the only way it happens. And so man can't redeem himself back unto God in and of his own accord because that which, it, it's, a, it's like physics, that which uh, doesn't exist can't make itself exist. So God, power from outside has to come inject into the system and do the work that we can't do for ourselves. And uh, so he took that penalty for sin for all mankind of those who would believe in him so that we can have fellowship, life with him eventually when he comes and, and restores the physical nature. You know, that's why we'll have a new heaven, new earth, new bodies. And um, the creation groans waiting for that to happen. And so do I. So anyway, I hope this was a blessing and um, we'll pray. And uh, eat. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this wonderful day. I thank you for your word and your scriptures and this time and this place that we get to come together to be, uh, to rest on your Shabbat, to hear from your word, to be nourished and fed, to fellowship. And I just pray that you would continue to do a mighty work in your people and to raise up those you, you would have to serve and turn back to you and keep your Torah and uh, follow Yeshua our Messiah and speak that truth to the world that would give life and hope to those who are perishing God and, and are without God and don't even know it. And so help us to be a light uh, in our lives and uh, be bold to know our scriptures, to continually do that daily work, just like the priests had to do every day. They had to trim the wicks, they had to break the bread. And so we have to do the same thing in our own life as well, Father. So work on us, strengthen us. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise.